This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. It was a number of years ago I had the opportunity to sit down with my dad and have kind of one of those adults-to-adults, father-to-son, heart-to-heart talks. And I I had to admit to him, albeit perhaps a bit begrudgingly, that I was amazed at how, how smart he had become down through the years. You know, it seems like when we're teenagers, our parents just don't know a thing, and we have all the answers. Then as we grow up and begin to get into this world of life and have our own experiences and eventually go on to raise our own families, we come to find out that Dad, in fact, wasn't all that dumb after all. In fact, he was a pretty smart guy. We set that as kind of the tone for the beginning of our conversation today with a voice that's certainly familiar to KFAX listeners. Um, in addition to his responsibilities as the co-host of the uh, Daily Focus on the Family broadcast uh, heard here on KFAX, uh, he's also got a, a budding writing career going on, and uh, one of his latest books is called First Time Dad, The Stuff You Really Need to Know. Pleased to have join us on the program this afternoon, the co-host of Focus on the Family's Daily Broadcast and uh, author, and perhaps most importantly, father and husband, John Fuller. John, great to have you with us. Craig, thank you for uh, inviting me, and you're right. Uh, of all the titles I've had throughout the years, Daddy is the best one. And isn't that amazing, you know, because often we guys identify ourselves, certainly as husbands and as fathers, but then, of course, we have to get the career in there, and, and, and so much of our workday, of course, uh, 8, 10, 12 hours a day sometimes, uh, is wrapped up in our identity that oftentimes we fail to recognize that perhaps one of the most important roles we have, certainly when it comes to the job that God has given us, is that of father. It is, and it's an irreplaceable job. I mean, it, it, guys don't want to admit this, but we're pretty much replaceable at work. I mean, there aren't many of us who are indispensable and irreplaceable. But at home, uh, my kids have one dad, and that's it. And um, and if I don't show up for that job, if I don't throw myself into that one with as much energy and enthusiasm as I do uh, my real day job, if you will, or uh, my golf game, or whatever the side hobby is, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss out on a great deal of of the richness of the journey of parenting, and my kids are gonna be shorted too, and they're not gonna get the kinds of things that I can give them anywhere else. Now you speak to this with some degree of authority as a father of six. Um, when you first got into this, um, when uh, you and, and your wife, Dina, were about to have the first child after a, a great deal of effort, we might add, uh, I'm sure, John, there must have been a sense of fear and, and, and amazement and, and a little bit of trepidation at all of us. But then, too, was there a little bit of an idea that, you know, this can't be all that difficult? I mean, after all, you know, my dad raised me and I didn't turn out all that bad. <laughs> 
How did you know? Yeah, and, and, and let me say that if I have any expertise, it's not because I've written a book. It's because for 20 years I've been running into brick walls and stubbing my toe and making mistakes left and right as a father. So uh, my expertise is probably probably born more out of failure than anything else. Um, no, I think I think I was guilty of that, uh, to answer the question directly. I, I thought... Um, kind of naively that, yeah, this is one more thing that we do. We become dads and that you can just kind of check that off the list or move on. And that's not really the case. Uh, it was a lot of change. It was like a scud missile coming out and just blowing up my world. Uh, all of my expectations about how the relationship with my wife was going to continue on, um, my expectations about my job performance, my expectations about hobbies, all of that was out the window when Dakota was born uh, almost 24 years ago now. It was, it, was, it was a change, and it was a hard change, but it was a good change as I learned to navigate it and deal with it. And I guess the navigation, I'm glad you choose that word, John, because some, so often I think some guys think that, well, I'll just go out and take a couple of parenting classes or read a book or think what my dad would have done and either copy it or in some cases think of that, what dad would have done and do the opposite, you know. But a lot of this is really navigation, isn't it? I mean, there, it, it, the baby didn't show up. I mean, the hospital bill came along with it, but there was no manual, was there? Can I confess something? Anything? Safe space. I think I have like 25 subscriptions and it kills me because I know I'm wasting so much money. Have you heard of Rocket Money? It sounds familiar. Okay, well, it's a financial app that the internet is obsessed with. It shows you all your subscriptions in one place. Yeah. You go through them. Any you don't want, you cancel with one tap. I went on literally the other day. Yeah. Saved $300. All right. Best I'm more part? interested now. Didn't have to talk to anybody on the phone. Oh, uh, okay. Well, it sounds like I'm downloading Rocket Money. You should. To learn more, go to rocketmoney.com slash offer. Or download the Rocket Money app from the Apple app or Google Play stores. When we made our McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets, you were praise hands emoji. Then we ran out and you were streaming tears emoji. Now they're back, so you can be grinning face with sweat emoji. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Snag one of your favorites, like a six-piece spicy chicken McNuggets, double cheeseburger, or McChicken. Each paired with small fries for three ninety nine. dollars Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Participate in McDonald's for a limited time. McD app download and registration required. Yeah, they, the kids don't read those books anyway, and so it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, it, it, the, first cha- the first chapter of my book is called Great Expectations because I think that really does, that's where we have to start. As a new dad, we have to get our expectations in order and just ask ourselves, as I go into this, what what exactly am I forgetting? And and what are some of my hangups about this? I mean, most guys don't want to fail. And most of us, I think, feel uh, uh, that failure is imminent as a new dad, because uh, the, the, the baby doesn't react like I thought babies reacted. And this is a lot harder than I thought. And I'm now sleep deprived and my wife is sleep deprived. And she's got hormonal changes coming off of the pregnancy if she gave birth. Um, there are all sorts of communication issues. Um, man, I, this thing just has loser written all over it. So I don't run toward it. I run away from it. Well, if you expect it's going to be hard, if you expect it's going to be a, a great lifelong journey to be a dad, but that it's a wonderfully rich experience and it's, uh, it's a great gift from God to entrust a child into your care 
and that this little kid's going to be used by God to chisel all the rough edges off of me and make me more like Jesus, then it's it's a whole different ball game. then. Now, your book, John, uh, First Time Dad, the stuff you really need to know, really uh, culminates in your years of experience being the father of six uh, and being able to kind of help uh, first time dads in particular uh, get the priorities straight and maybe learn them a thing or two, as my, my grandmother used to say. Mm, yeah, One of the points that you mentioned very early on is uh, babies are easy. I mean, sometimes, you know, outside of the three o'clock feedings and the interrupted sleep and the, the major change in lifestyle that suddenly happens, uh, we get used to it early on and then begin to think, oh, well, it can only get easier. It can't get any worse. And, yeah. <laughs> Boy, it sounds like a voice of experience right there. Um, yeah, I, I, I think every season has been good. My my two oldest are adults. They're out of the house. And uh, my third child that just turned 18, we still have a 16, 13, and 8-year-old in the house. So I'm still living with a lot of younger and, and teenage uh, things. I've got to say that, that yeah, babies are probably one of the easier stages. Um, I hate telling a new dad that because at times it feels like this is so hard. Um, but the rewards increase as the difficulty increases. And uh, sometimes I'll tell someone, I have three teenage daughters in my home. Pray for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I also follow that up real quickly with, a, you know, I love those girls so much. And I'm not sure there's anything better than when they say goodnight, they come up and they want their hug and their little kiss on the forehead. That, to me, is uh, that's, that's priceless right there. I can't buy that kind of affection and love from a child. And, and those teen years are precious when the girls still come my way and, and look for my advice and seek out their daddy. So every season is great. Babying is hard, cause you're, especially if you're first-time dad, if you're first-time dad, because you don't know what to expect and how to, how to deal with all the, the issues that newborns have. But once you get the hang of it, it's pretty easy. But it does become, as we move along, there are certain complexities that are inherent to all of this, aren't there? I mean, number one, obviously, for growing families, you're adding not just child number one, who now has grown and gone through the baby years and maybe is either a toddler or a little bit further along. Now along comes child number two. Now there's a balancing act between the two. And so as there is the, the exponential growth of the family and the responsibilities, one of the other things, too, that I think oftentimes, John, becomes a major hang-up for, for younger dads dads that are kind of still figuring all of this out is we see then too an exponential growth in a lot of the demands outside of the house, meaning that we're beginning to hit the pace in the career and the job, and maybe we're moving from, you know, entry-level positions to middle and upper management, more responsibility. Then, too, we're thinking, well, gee, the family's getting bigger. There are more demands on my time, more people that are counting upon me. I've got to bring the bread in because, you know, this is not just child-rearing expenses. Someday there's going to be education costs and weddings and all of these things. And so suddenly, in addition to a bigger demand for our time in the house, as husband and father, there are oftentimes too, John, lots of demands for our time and attention outside of the house. I knew you'd love this place. What was that? A selfie. You just took a selfie. With my new Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 5, I can snap selfies while it's folded shut and use the best camera on the phone. It's so small, I can put it right back in my front pocket. Now it's in my pocket. Now it's taking selfies. Whoa. And the huge cover screen lets us see our pics without opening it. Aw, you look cute confused. I do look cute confused. 
Get your Galaxy Z Flip 5 now at the Samsung Experience Store at Roosevelt Field. I can't believe BJ's Wholesale Club has all this great new stuff. Honey, this sofa is so stylish. Yeah, stylish. And this sweater is so on trend. Try it on. That's me, Mr. Trendy. And BJ's has the hottest brands at great prices, like Sur La Table and Nespresso. And Hot Wheels. <laughs> Look, it's Barbie. Hi, Ken. Let's go to the beach in my Corvette. Attention, BJ's members. The club is now closed. Just five more minutes? Please. Saving club or on BJ's.com. Not a member? Join today. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up, Craig, because um, I've observed the very same thing, and it's a concern to me, and I, well, I've experienced the very same thing. Um, you know, we had one and then two and then three children, and uh, the responsibilities at work were great. Uh, I mean, there's, there, I'm working at a ministry. I know that, that, uh, that it's, it's valuable for me to pour into kingdom work, and yet I feel the tug at home, and, and at the same time, uh, I've got single friends uh, who are in their 20s and 30s, and they're doing things like running marathons, and I want to do that. And there is a jumble of stuff going on there. And uh, if I can share just personally, I, I came face to face with priorities and with the challenges of work and career. And uh, when my oldest was about eight, he uh, he was really. Uh, acting up, and we were having a hard time with some of his some of his behaviors, and uh, so much so that we sought out a counselor here at Focus on the Family. We talked to one of the Focus counselors for about an hour, and uh, she she listened to us and asked some questions, and then she turned to me and she just said, "John, I think your son is acting up because he wants more of you. Mm. You're not home very much." You're working on your master's degree, and that's on top of a pretty intense full-time job working on the radio programming at Focus on the Family. So, um, you know, you just need to throttle back. And I, I, I was nailed. <laughs> I mean, come, come on. I work at a family ministry. I know family stuff, but I was guilty of doing too much outside the home. And, and some of that was a search for significance, if I can be honest with you. Some of that was a need to kind of, you know, hold my, pull my weight and hold my own against peers who were doing some things. But some of it was, uh, I think, a right passion to, to get equipped to do the next things that I thought God had for us as a family in the kingdom. Uh, still, I had to just reset and say, wait a minute, what's really important here? And I had to kind of push back on some things so that I could spend more time with my son because he needed me, and he was only eight once. Uh, if I missed that window, he was on to nine and then ten. It, uh, I would have missed him altogether if I wasn't careful. And that's such a critical point, and I want to pause right here because th this is a point that needs to be really underscored because, as John Fuller points out, it is easy to kind of get caught up in not only the striving for significance, but you feel like you're doing things that are of critical importance for the family, bringing home the bacon, all of that. And yet this time only comes once, and it comes so rapidly. And for a lot of guys that might say, well, gee, but... I, what about some time for me? I mean, there's these hobbies that I'm involved with, and I'm trying to work on the golf game, and I've got demands on me, not only at work, but, but the men's fellowship and responsibilities as church, as a member of the board of deacons. We want to get all of this stuff kind of sandwiched into life in the early years, figure we're young and we've got the energy, why not? But there's some flawed thinking with that, isn't there? Mm. Well, I think there is, and it has to do with, uh, with something we were talking about earlier, and that is the window of time. Listen, if you think that parenting is an 18-year journey and you're done, you're wrong. 
there are a couple of things I'd say to that. Uh, that fallacy is is wrong because a you really only have 12 to 14 or 15 years to really shape your child because by the time they're 14, 15, 16, they're choosing independence. They're they're longing for adulthood. They're moving toward adulthood, and your influence is going to wax and wane for the next several years. So if you think in terms of window, time of window, it's not 18. It's a little less than that. Plus, um, if you think that at 18 you're done being a dad, you're wrong. My two oldest have moved out. I still stay in touch with them. I love that. That's the payoff for the foundation of the early years, uh, pouring into their lives when they were younger. And not perfectly, but I tried. And so um, if you want an, an ongoing relationship with your child that is rock solid and good and tight and close, and you want that from, oh, say, the time they're 18 until you know, you're in the grave, that's the bigger part of your life with your child when they're an adult and they're saying, see ya, I'm going back home now, or they're calling you on the phone saying, got to go, the kids are, are needing me. That part of the relationship is what you got to think of now. you got to think long-term toward the, 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 uh, the target. Um, I love the psalmist in Psalm 127. He says, children are an arrow uh, that you have, parents. They're an arrow in your quiver. And arrows are not defensive weapons. They're offensive weapons. You take the arrow, you pull it back, and you're aiming at a target. You're not hoping it's you know, going to go somewhere. You're planning on where it's going. If we would approach fatherhood that way, I think we'd, we'd have an easier time prioritizing, uh, saying no to some things, and we'd have a bigger impact on our children than we might if we're just busy all the time and chasing the wrong stuff. So focusing, uh, John, so to speak, on the end game, as you say, because let's face it, when we think of how we want our kids to turn out, we have an idea in mind. You know, we want them to be uh, good citizens. We want them to raise a successful family of their own. We want them to, to walk in a relationship with the Lord, maybe be involved in ministry. I mean, we, we all have dreams and visions for our children. So imagine that now when they need you uh, in those formative years, you got to be there to invest the time. Because, you know, payback can be terrible, John. And later on, it's amazing that if you're not there for your kids when they're younger and they really need you, um, got to set those expectations right because later on someday you're going to need them. Yeah, well, that's a that's a very true point. Um, if I could, uh, I know a guy, and let's just in the book I call him Mitch, and um, he, he, I was talking to him and and I asked how the family was doing, and he said, well, not so well, and he shared some things with me that just were very sad. Um, he had one child that just really didn't want anything to do with him, another child who totally disregarded her her parents wishes and got married very early and um, he was he was kind of standing thinking what happened Well, what happened was he didn't work on the foundation um, and if uh, I lived in Texas and you had to treat the foundation for termites uh, because if you didn't they were gonna they were gonna chew it up and uh, of course that makes for a really rotten house over time uh, you gotta pay attention to the foundation which is those younger years and you've got to be willing to uh, readjust and and make sure that you're investing in the part of your child's life that is the most shapeable, the most uh, formative. And we know that that the, that it's never too late to recapture 
that relationship to work on it. But, um, you know, by the time they're seven, eight, nine, they've got their ideas about who daddy is. And, um, and I hope I'm not throwing guilt at guys. I don't want to do that. Like I said, I, I myself was uh, confronted with my own uh, shortcomings in this. I just want to encourage a new dad to be thinking in terms of this is some of the most essential time so right here. This is it. If, if I can get this right, if I can show up and love my child, spend time with my child, show I care to my child, uh, it's possible that I'm going to avoid a situation like Mitch's where they're in their teens and they don't want anything to do with me. Well, and, you know, I think, John, also, too, the big kind of 30,000-foot-high viewpoint on this thing we call life, to put it in perspective, uh, all of us perhaps have known older people, older saints that have gone on to be with the Lord and, and others who in their waning moments of life, as they're kind of taking the inventory, I've never heard anybody about to end their earthly presence here say, oh, if I'd only spent more time at the office, gee, if I'd just gone to a few more conferences and meetings and spent more time uh, uh, dealing with business, then I would be satisfied in life. No, you never hear them say that. Instead, they say, if I'd only been a better husband to my wife, a better father to my children, if I only spent more time with the kids when they were younger, uh, or with my grandkids. I mean, those are the things that if we miss out on it when we have the opportunity the first time around, you don't get a second time at this. You don't, and um, and I, if, I, if I can share a story, my father-in-law passed away uh, at age 89, uh, just a few weeks short of his 90th birthday in December. And um, I, I was asked to speak at his eulogy, and one of the things I said was, I want my kids, I hope I can do this, I want my kids to love me and have as much respect and admiration for me as my wife and her sister and brother had for their daddy. They loved him, and they adored him, and they miss him deeply already. Um, that that kind of affection and love from a child comes because you were there. And it doesn't have to be you were taking them to the theme park and you were doing all these things that are expensive or time-consuming. But it does mean that you were there consistently offering your attention, meeting that child where he or she is at, recognizing he or she is uniquely wired and needs something different than the rest of them, um, when you try to meet your kid where they're at, when you simply say, you know, you're more important than me finishing this fence work, or, yeah, i got to check email for work, but I'm not doing that until you're in bed. Mm-hmm. When, when you say, hey, let's play a game, and they forget about it, and you come back and say, I, I, I wanted to play a game, that just says to a kid, love, 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 and, and so it takes conscious choices and, um, you know, if you do that, um, there is a payoff, a rich payoff. Absolutely. And, of course, another great invaluable resource. Uh, take a little bit of uh, insight from the voice of experience, uh, John Fuller, who's uh, now child number six. So he's got a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, power behind what he says, all detailed inside the pages of a book called First Time Dad, The Stuff You Really Need to Know. The book published by Moody and available uh, through, of course, you can find it at uh, bookstores about the Bay Area. But best place to check it out is on John Fuller's blog. Check him out at John Fuller. 
johnfullerblog.com. That's johnfullerblog.com. And uh, catch him weekday mornings and again in the evenings, 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. as co-host of Focus on the Family, heard right here on KFAX. Well, John, we sure appreciate the candor, the insights, and the encouragement for first-time dads. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.